You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Most of you guys all to a man say that the practices were much more taxing than the actual games were. Everybody that was on that team, we're all alpha. Oh, we're all great. We came together as a team to whip the whole world. Game time with Boomer Esiason. This week's guest is Georgetown Hoyas head coach and NBA Hall of Famer, Patrick Ewing. Presented by Geico. As a lifelong Knicks fan, I'll never forget the excitement I felt in 1985 when my favorite NBA team won the draft rights to a certain seven-foot center who led Georgetown to three Final Fours and the 1984 NCAA Championship. Today's guest went on to become a towering figure in New York sports scene for 15 Hall of Fame seasons, and he is currently the head coach at his alma mater, Georgetown University. It's certainly my pleasure to welcome in my friend, Patrick Ewing. Patrick, great to see you. Welcome to Game Time. Thanks, Boomer. I really appreciate it. It's been a long time. You know, um, in April, you were diagnosed with COVID-19, and I remember hearing the stories, and I was sending you text messages back and forth. Uh, how was that experience, and how are you feeling now? I'm feeling much better now. Uh, you know, it was a rough experience. Uh, you know, people shouldn't take it lightly. I was hospitalized for five days, but then I was able to quarantine at home. And it's not just the, the fever, the temperature, uh, the blood clot. It's also a mental component to it where, you know, it's not only physical, it's mental. You just don't feel yourself after. And I didn't feel normal until about a month after. Interesting you say that because Cam Newton was diagnosed with uh, COVID-19 for the New England Patriots. And many said that he was suffering from a thing that is called COVID-19 fog. So you can attest to that. Right. I definitely can attest to that. You know, and it took me... Uh, a month before I started to feel myself again. I'm not sure if, if, if that was the same thing that he was uh, battling, but I know it's definitely true. You know, you came to the States, Boston, back when you were 12 years old from Kingston, Jamaica. That had to be kind of a, like an abrupt wake-up call, going to, of all places, Boston to go play basketball after coming from Kingston, Jamaica. What was the transition like for you? It was a shell shock, you know, going from 80 degrees and then coming to Boston where it's cold and snow. Um, so it was definitely, definitely different. I, I thank my mother, my father, every time uh, we talk, uh, that every time I go to their gravesite and talk to them for giving us the family the opportunity to move to this, to this country and uh, where, where we were able to make a great life for ourselves. Yeah, I don't think people realize, but your parents really insisted on you becoming educated, that they were disciplinarians in that regard. I know that personally from your story, but uh, tell the folks out there just exactly how much of a stickler they were for you to get your education. 
Oh, definitely. You know, come from the islands, you know, a lot of people were, were, were believing in hard work, you know, and my mother, my mother, they, both her and my father, they never went to college. They didn't even finish high school. So, you know, they, education was very important to, to, to them. They wanted to make sure all their kids uh, went to college and graduated from college. And what's one of the things my mom made me promise uh, that I would finish, uh, finish here at Georgetown and get my college degree. And unfortunately, she, she passed uh, before she was able to see me accomplish this. Um, but they, they, it was very important to them and it's very important to me. During all of this time that you guys moved to Boston, you dealt with just the amazing amount of racism and you saw it firsthand and you lived it. What did your parents tell you in regards to dealing with that? You know, the, 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 the funny thing is I never really brought it up, with it, uh, brought it up to them. I never told them all, all the things that, that I was facing, especially growing, you know, coming to Boston in the height of busing. You know, that's when they, they started, uh, you know, busing kids from the inner city into the, uh, into the suburbs of Boston to go into the, uh, the supposedly better school, school system. Um, but just playing uh, out in those suburb, suburban state, uh, areas of Boston, just hearing all the, the, the names and all the different things that, that were, were shouted to us, our bus being bricked, our, our ties being slit. It, it was rough. Uh, and it also helped to, you know, shape uh, the peop- the person that you, that you are. Yeah, well, you certainly stand tall, Patrick, in regard to that. Welcome back to Game Time, everyone, where we are joined by the great basketball legend Patrick Ewing, who just told us one of the first times he experienced racism was when he moved to Boston. But the names that they called us, and I just used it to fuel myself to be better. And Patrick, we just touched on this. And uh, who better to speak to where we are today in 2020 and how our athletes are dealing with racism and the George Floyd death up in Minneapolis. I'm just trying to think uh, for you standing in front of your players at Georgetown trying to explain all of this to them. What is your message to them? One of the things I try to talk to them about is that if this if there's going to be a change, uh, their generation is the one that's going to be uh, going to change it. You know, they have to, you know, use their platform to to fight for their rights, to fight to try to uh, end racism and systematic racism in this in this country, not only in this country, but also in the world. But they just have to continue to to use their platform while being safe, while ma- making sure that they, they're not doing anything that's going to, uh, you know, put them in harm's way. But just this, but just using their their platform to to show the the world that it's time for it's time for change. Do you ever share with your players your personal journey and what you dealt with while you were in high school and all the just disgusting parts of racism? Sometimes uh, we talk about it, but you know I try to put that in uh, in the back burner and just talk about you know what's going on now. It's time for for this to stop, and it's time for for you know not only you know uh, people of color to 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 take up the mantle, but also everyone. And that's the thing that I liked about all the things that were that were happening. It wasn't just uh, people of color that was out there uh, fighting for these rights or fighting for the change. It was everybody, every people from all different walks of life was out there fighting for it. And that's the only way that there's going to be uh, a change in this country. 
You know, I remember back when you, Magic, Larry, Michael, Isaiah, all the great players of the early 80s, late 70s, were bringing the NBA back to the forefront because David Stern made you guys all into stars and knew that in order to get the eyes, eyeballs to the TV was to actually accentuate the stars of the league. Now the stars of the league, which are making $40 million, I might add, thanks in large part to you guys, uh, are using that platform politically. Do you think that you would have done that uh, in this day and age? You know what? I'm not sure if I would have done it, but I applaud those guys. I applaud LeBron for stepping up and speaking out and all the different things that he's doing. The things that are going on in the, in, the, uh, in society, you know, we have to stand up. We have to, you know, make it known that we don't appreciate all the things that's going on and continue to fight. Well said. You can't with a shot blocker like Ewing take so much time. Guardy the Black. The time, 18. Jordan. One of the most famous images in college basketball history is when Georgetown coach John Thompson consoling Fred Brown after his bad pass cost the Hoyas a chance to win the 1982 NCAA title game against North Carolina. Another memorable moment occurred two years later. This time, Thompson's arms were spread wide apart and there was a look of joy on his face as he embraced Brown following the championship victory over Houston. This past August, unfortunately, John Thompson passed away just three days shy of his 79th birthday. And Patrick, I know that this was a towering figure in college basketball, but he almost was like a second father to you. Why did you choose Georgetown? Was it specifically because of John Thompson? Yes, it was specifically because of John Thompson. I thought that all the other schools that I uh, chose to visit, uh, I would have gotten a good education there and I would have been a great player there. But I chose to come to Georgetown because of Coach Thompson. He's somebody that looked like me. I loved the way that he carried himself. The world, I loved the way that he spoke. And I thought that he was someone that I could emulate as I continue to grow old. Did he ever put you in the doghouse, the John Thompson doghouse, or were you above all that? <laughs> Everyone gets in the doghouse. They, they I'm still waiting for him to open my door and coming in and cursing me out as he always does. No, you know, he, he was a great man. He was a, he was a father figure, a role model. He's somebody that I, that I, I cherish our relationship through uh, over the years, and uh, I, he will be definitely deeply missed. You know, I know you uh, replaced his son there as head coach of Georgetown. Did you reach out to John or did he reach out to you? And had you considered taking Georgetown if he if he didn't? You know, I, I did not. Uh, I wasn't thinking about take, um, coaching here at Georgetown until Coach Thompson reached out to me. And I and I told him, I said, Coach, you know, they just fired little John. And he's like, Patrick, we need to have uh, uh, one a member of the family at the helm. And um, I'm part of the family, and I, I, I listened to what he had to say. I thought about it for a couple of days. I talked to my some confidants I have in, I have in the NBA, and they told me, you know what, might as well. You know, you haven't have you have not gotten an opportunity here in the NBA to be a head coach as yet. So go ahead and try to get that one. You know, it's amazing, Patrick, you paid your dues as an NBA assistant coach. I mean, you've done all the dirty work, all the things that are required that you would think that you would have gotten a shot at a job in the NBA. Any idea why uh, that never came for you? No, I, I really don't, you know, and for every uh, roadblock that I got, I tried to just make sure that I, that I learned from whatever mistakes that I might have 
stop me from getting the job and just continue to work and just trying to be the best coach that I can be. So when I when I was given that opportunity, that I I won't I wouldn't fail. You know, it's kind of interesting. The Brooklyn Nets just hired Steve Nash. He's never coached a team in his life, and yet here he is, the head coach of an NBA basketball team. However, you go through all the different aspects of becoming a coach, and now you're the coach at Georgetown. Any uh, any anger towards the fact that a guy like Steve Nash would get a job without having any sort of coaching experience? Um, no, I can't worry about that. Steve is a great guy. He's a great player. Uh, he's a friend. Uh, and I wish him nothing but the but the best. Um, but you know what? It, it, it is what it is, Boomer. I, all I could do is just continue to work and continue to, uh, to do the best job I can. And now I am I am a head coach. I'm a head coach here at Georgetown University, and my goal is to 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 get us to be the team that it was when I was here. Uh, you know, competing for titles and hopefully winning them one or two. Here I am. I'm I'm a high school recruit and I'm being recruited by the University of Maryland, which has a great basketball program, beautiful building, and man, it's a great campus. And all of a sudden, I get to meet Patrick Ewing, head coach of the Georgetown Hoyas. Why should I come to Georgetown as opposed to go to Maryland? To, to who? Maryland. You remember Maryland? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just man, I'm just playing with I you. Know, I know I that's your alma mater, boom. Yes, but, I know. you know, I, I just think that, yeah, um. Georgetown is a great school. Maryland's a great school. Um, we, you know, we have a, a rich tradition. They, we, both schools have a rich tradition. You know, I think that you know here you have you could get a great education and also a great athletic. So we, we're blessed with both. You'll be coaching by be coached by a person who has been in your shoes. Everything that you're trying to accomplish, I've already accomplished. I think that this would be the best place and the best fit uh, for you uh, as a young player to uh, to come play. Uh, I just got a call from Maryland. They don't want me anymore. I'm coming to Georgetown. Come play for you, Patrick Ewing. Very well said. Maybe the only team Patrick Ewing never made was the 1980 U.S. Men's Olympic basketball team, which, by the way, never competed in Moscow due to the American boycott over the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. Four years later, however, Ewing and Michael Jordan led Team USA to a gold medal on a squad that had no NBA players. Then, of course, came the 1992 Dream Team, and it was jam-packed with NBA royalty. Ewing, Bird, Pippen, Drexler, Malone, Stockton, Robinson, Barkley, Jordan, Magic, and Mullen. What a team, Patrick. Uh, what I want to ask you is, was it more satisfying winning the gold medal under Bobby Knight with no NBA players, or was it more satisfying to win the gold medal on the Dream Team? Well, you know what? Uh, I, I, I thought that both experience was great. Um, you know, playing uh, in, 80, in 84, myself, Michael, Chris Mullen, we were the only three guys who were able to be um, also on the Dream Team. So it tells you what type of a team that we had in 84. Uh, we had some great players on that team. Uh, the majority of the guys made it to the NBA and had a successful NBA career. But in 92, uh, we were all superstars. Uh, we were all, all of us was all great uh, household name uh, led by, by Michael Jordan. But I, I'm not going to say that one uh, ranks uh, above the other. They were, they were both great and they're both, the reason is because that we were uh, playing for the United States, playing for the country. You know, when did you when did you realize uh, that Michael was going to turn out to be as great as he did? You know what? 
No one knew it. I didn't even know it. Even when, when we were playing in the Olympics, it was great. We all knew how good he was, but we, you just didn't know that he was going to be uh, the best player to play in, 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 our, in, in my era. He was amazing, his heart and his desire. And your era had a lot of players like that, of course, Bird and Magic. And now you see today players trying to group up and go win championships together. I can't ever imagine you guys trying to do that back in the day. Yeah, you know, it's a different era. We all try to compete against each other. We all try to kill each other. And even though we were friends, we didn't want to, you know, team up. We wanted to try to get it done uh, our way. But that's just the era that we're in now. You know, guys calling each other and telling them, oh, let's, you know, let's go, let's go play together. But that's, you know, that's the way it is, Boone. Yeah. Maybe I should have done that. I, I would have had, had me a couple of rings by now. Yeah, actually, I think you did try to do that. If I if I heard your your words right with Chris Mullen and Tim Hardaway and the run TMC and all of that <laughs> stuff, did that not almost happen? Yes, it almost happened. So you tried to do it before they are actually doing it uh, these days. Now, I also saw the documentary of the Dream Team. I thought it was amazing. And most of you guys, all to a man, say that the practices were much more taxing than the actual <laughs> games were because you guys were all so competitive. Everybody that was on that team, we're all alphas, you know, so oh, we're all great. So when you, when you, usually when you bring all alphas into a room, uh, it's, it usually don't work because everybody is just trying to, to you know, uh, show that I'm the best. Even though we were still doing that, we, we still knew what we had to do. We came together as a team to be able to, to, to whip everybody and every, whip the whole world. Patrick Ewing recently named his all-Knicks teammate squad. That would be John Starks, Charles Oakley, Larry Johnson, Allen Houston, and a tie between Charlie Ward and Mark Jackson. Great teammates, I'm sure, and great memories for you guys. Unfortunately, you did not win a championship. I got a couple questions for you, and you can't waffle. The one thing I know about Patrick Ewing is he doesn't waffle. When he's on the basketball court, he plays to win, and I want real answers here now, okay? Right. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a couple players. You're going to pick between the two players that you want on your team. Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain. Who are you taking? Wow. Well, I'm no, a, I'm come on. I'm going to pick Bill. He has 11 rings. All right. Steph Curry, Oscar Robertson. Woo. You're killing me there. Yep. Oh, man. All right. I'll go with Steph. All right. James Harden, Reggie Miller. I'm going to go with James. You better go with James because I can't stand Richard Miller. He used to drive us crazy at the garden. Uh, Pat Riley, Greg Popovich. Well, you know, Pop, Pop is a great coach, but I, I, I play for Riles, so you don't have to go with Riles. All right. Coach K or John Wooden? Oh, all right. I'll go with John Wooden. Larry Bird, Kevin Durant. Wow. Oh, you're killing me there, boom. Yep. Come I'm on, man. To, I'm going to have to go with Larry. <laughs> All right. And here's the big one. Michael Jordan or, of course, LeBron James. Of course, I'm going to go with Michael. All right. That's what I like to hear. Now I have one other question for you. So you just listed all your great teammates at the Knicks when you played there. So you, Oakley Starks, Houston Johnson, Charlie Ward, and Mark Jackson, and your head coach is Pat Riley. And you show up to the gym, and in that gym – at your age, I will say, Walt Frazier, <laughs> Willis Reed, Bill Bradley, Dave DeBusher, Earl Monroe, Dick Barnett, Cassie Russell, and of course, the great Red Holzman is coaching them. 
How do they not sweep you guys? Wow. Well, you know, that, that, that was a great team. They won two championships. But, you know, we still have a lot of heart. We still have a lot of uh, fire. You know, they may, ulti- yeah. may have ultimately uh, won the game, but we, was gonna, we were going to give them a run for the money. Yeah, you, would, you wouldn't allow Walt Frazier to come down the center of the, uh, the, the, the paint. I know that for sure. You know, Patrick, it's great talking to you. Our thanks to the great Patrick Ewing for joining us today and to all of you for watching. I'm Boomer Esiason, and I'll see you again real soon right here on Game Time with Pro Football Hall of Famer Howie Long. Now, my Knicks ever going to be good again, Patrick? <laughs> I'm hoping so. Oh, you know, my friend. My friend Tom is the coach there, so I'm, I'm hoping and praying that, you know, it works out for them. I hope so. I hope so, Patrick. I hope so. Me too.